0: Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Hanging Upside Down from Oak Trees by Blue Sumutra on AO3. Rating General Audiences. So many things I had thought forgotten returned to my mind with stranger pain. Like letters that arrive addressed to someone who left the house so many years ago. Philip Larkin. When she was six, their father had been stationed at Naval Station Norfolk for a year while he trained for command of his first ship. The cramped housing on one of the busiest naval bases in the country had driven their mother to distraction, and faced with the prospect of entertaining four children under the age of 10 for the whole summer and a house built for a family half the size, Margaret Scully put her foot down. An old farmhouse converted for vacation lets was procured on the edge of the Mongahala National Forest. The colonial house had a wraparound porch and white shutters that kept the sweltering West Virginia heat at bay. And after a summer in Alaska and two of Japan before that, the freedom of the house in Buffalo Lake had seemed like a hedonistic pleasure, even to her six-year-old self. Something about the stillness of the air and the warm kiss of the sun on their skin "'soothed the fractious tempers of the scully children. "'And for those six long weeks they got along in a way "'they never did again. "'All too soon they were grown "'and heading off into the world in different directions, "'coming together only for the occasional Christmas. "'Wait for me, Missy,' she cried "'as she hurried down the creaky steps of the porch "'after her sister.' messy ponytail bouncing behind her and one knee poking through the hole of her green dungarees where she'd fallen off Bill's bike the other day. Her cherished Raggedy Ann doll was tucked tightly under her right arm and she had to run to catch Melissa up. Grasping her sister's hand in hers, they ran through the long grass until they reached the rocky bank of the lake. Butterflies and dandelion flowers fluttered in their wake and on the way, they would try to retrace their steps through the trampled grass. The water level was low that year, following a summer of blistering sunshine and little rain. On the northeastern bank stood a gnarled oak tree, which looked out of place amongst the hemlocks as it cast long shadows in the afternoon sun. Thirty feet tall, one of its branches stretched out at a right angle to the trunk, eight or nine feet off the ground. Leaving Raggedy Ann at the foot of the tree, they climbed the lower branches until they could scramble out onto the perpendicular limb hooking their feet through a deformed crevice. The effort of the climb left their lungs burning, and as they hung upside down, the rushing blood in their ears drowned out the silence of the lake until all they could hear was the steady beat of their own pulses. When they finally righted themselves, giddy and gasping for breath, their cheeks were ruddy and they had to hold onto the scratchy scorched bark of the tree for balance. In those quiet moments as the blood settled in their bodies, and the only sound was the occasional shriek of a bald eagle, they both felt untouchable. Scully! Scully! Mulder's tone is pinched and anxious when she tunes back in, and she realizes he's been calling her for a while, blinking away the memory of a childhood so long ago. Her nose burns with the smell of hemlock, and when she finally answers him, her voice is rusty. I'm coming. She drags her gaze away from a photograph of her and Missy on the porch of the house in Buffalo Lake and clears her throat. In the mirror, her reflection is harsh and unforgiving and the woman who stares back at her has eyes black with reproach. Mulder appears behind her and their eyes lock in the mirror. His face is drawn in the black suit, which a few weeks ago had fitted so well, hangs off his frame. It's been a hard month for him too, but his brown eyes soften as he stares at her and a wave of compassion knits his eyebrows together. The weight of his sympathy is almost too much to bear, and she wants to tell him that she doesn't deserve it, that Melissa's dead because of her. But the words are stuck in her throat, and she knows he would deny them anyway. She feels false under his gaze, and she shrugs into a blazer and lets her eyes drop away guiltily. Buttoning the soft black wool and smoothing her collar down, her attention wanders once again, to the overexposed photograph on her bureau. How different life seemed then, when the days seemed never-ending and the warm sun bred freckles across their noses. A heavy hand on her shoulder pierces her trance, and Mulder's warm fingers trail up her neck and cup her cheek. His touch feels hot against her ice-cold skin, and she clamps her jaw closed against unbidden tears, almost biting her tongue. She remembers when he did the same thing after her father died, and her eyes flutter against threatening tears. Pulling her to him, presses uncoordinated kisses against her forehead in the corner of her mouth, and he buries his head in the crook of her neck. It's not your fault, he mumbles. His rest stirring the sensitive skin behind her ear, and God, she wants to believe him. At the graveside, her eyes still burn from tears unshed, and she breathes slowly through her nose, in a shallow whisper to keep the sob from escaping her aching throat. To her left, Bill's wife stands alone, dabbing her eyes with a tissue, her husband stuck somewhere in the South Pacific, cursing the FBI and probably his sister for bringing this on their family. Ironically, Tara was born not a week before her in the same hospital in San Diego, and though Bill's wife is kind and easygoing and lacks her husband's judgmental streak, she couldn't be more different from her sister-in-law. Across from them, her brother Charlie embraces their mother as she weeps into a handkerchief her narrow shoulders shaking with grief. His own cheeks are tacky and his wife Sarah rubs her hand in circles on his back. He catches her eye over the top of their mother's head and his watery blue eyes remind her of Melissa. His lips are a tight line and he tries to smile at her. He told her yesterday as they stood in their mother's kitchen drinking coffee laced with brandy that she shouldn't blame herself. Sweet Charlie, everybody's friend with his eyes like Melissa's, and his left eyebrow bisected by a scar from falling off an oak tree that summer at Buffalo Lake. She nods her head at him and feels tears sloshing around her eyes. Mulder runs his hand up and down her arm, and she can feel the warmth of his arm against her back. Not unusually tactile. Today, it's felt as though he's been touching her constantly. From the gentle pressure of his hand on her arm, narrowed to the clasp of his fingers around hers in the church. He has tried to reassure her with his touch. When the rest of the family filed down the aisle to take communion and her mother slipped past them, red rimmed eyes regarding her with a disappointed look, Mulder stayed silent, but his hand found hers knotted together in her lap, and he dovetailed their fingers, squeezing her hand in reassurance. He didn't let go the rest of the service or when they stepped from the shadows of St. Michael's into the chilly September sun, half-blinded by white cloud. He didn't let go as they slid into the back of the black limousine, or as they watched the polished walnut coffin sink beneath the dirt, or when her mother's sob cracked the silence like a gunshot, and she couldn't stop herself from flinching. And now his hand grips her shoulders as he cups her cheek in his hand, like he did this morning, and forces her to look at him. His brow is furrowed above liquid gray eyes, and as she stares into them, she realizes that he understands. He knows the grief of losing a sibling and the desperate ice-cold grip of self-hatred that seizes your heart when you know that you're the one responsible. And he looks at her now with love in his eyes, and she feels the dam inside her flex. Her chin wavers and a tear seeps from the corner of her eye as she sucks in a breath to get control of herself but it's too late. She's gone, sucked beneath the swell of emotions that she's been fighting for days. Mulder pulls her to him, and she sinks against his chest, a silent sob wrenched from her throat as his long arms envelop her, and he presses his lips to the top of her head. It's okay, he murmurs into her hair. Tears spill onto her own cheeks as he kisses the hair by her ear. It's okay. But even as his arms encircle her and the warm, woodsy scent of his aftershave fills her nose and the heat from his body begins to penetrate the ice-cold chill she's felt for days, she can't help but fear it will never be okay again. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod as a patron you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month thank you for listening and remember the stories are out there